Welcome back to the Fangirl Forum. I'm your host, Meredith Loftus, AKA your friendly neighborhood fangirl. In a COVID world, there is finally light at the end of the tunnel. The vaccines are being administered, theaters are opening up, and finally, there are MCU movies back in theaters. Black Widow marks the official return of phase four in movie form. Opening weekend box office numbers are in and it is estimated that it's made over 215 million dollars. Break that down, it's about 80 million domestic, 78 million international, and over 60 million in Disney Plus premiere access. Wow, we have been craving the MCU and it shows. Now that Black Widow is rolling in the cash, does it match the quality of the movie? We'll get into that, but as always, I am not alone. Returning back to the Fangirl Forum is Variety's newly appointed senior entertainment writer. Give it up for <laughs> Angeline Jackson. Woo! Hi, Woo! thank you so much for having me again. I'm so excited to talk about this one. Because I, I mean, I think we were all, like you said, with the box office being so huge, it just goes to prove how excited people were to finally understand, like, what the story is behind Natasha Romanoff. Like, we have been waiting for over a decade to finally get this movie, and I will be, I'm so happy to say that it didn't disappoint. I know some of the reviews were mixed, mm -hmm. and to be perfectly honest, I don't know what movie they were watching, but I found this one to be completely delightful, and I am, I'm thrilled that so many people have gone out to see it. Agreed, agreed. Before we get into it, I should take this opportunity to say, spoilers, 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 spoilers. Oh my gosh, there will be spoilers discussed in this <laughs> podcast episode about Black Widow. Spoilers, spoilers. I'm serious. Watch the movie, then come back and listen to this. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. This is your last chance. Spoilers. I think I covered it. Maybe, like maybe one more spoilers. Okay. Spoilers! <laughs> We're good. This is now a spoiler frenzy zone so we can get into the weeds about Black Widow because we have so much to talk about. It's been 11 years since Natasha's introduction into the MCU and she finally gets her solo movie. Was it worth it? Yes. It's so interesting because with knowing that Natasha leaves us in Endgame, I think a lot of people, including myself, were sort of like, Ugh, how and why would we go back now and finally tell her story? I really wish this would have come actually, you know, in the chronological order mm -hmm. in the time between Civil War and Infinity War. But while I was watching it and as I, I just like as the movie was ending, I really did feel this sense of kind of catharsis. Which is weird because like I'm very disappointed we didn't get her story earlier and I think it's like a huge misstep on Marvel's part, but at the same time it made her death feel more powerful mm -hmm. instead of the way that you know a lot of the complaint was she kind of goes out with a whimper even though she sacrifices herself to literally save the world it's like a huge yeah. moment but because she like doesn't get a funeral scene and because there's so many things that kind of go unspoken about her in mm -hmm. in Endgame it did feel like a good way to actually like in some ways kind of resurrect the character and understand what we were really losing. 
But then again, at the same time, you're like, well, but I wish I would have known all this sooner. Yeah. So it's going to be really fun, I think, to watch it back chronologically when we, you know, all do our different Avengers and Marvel rewatches. All the time. It'll be a good, it'll be a really good time to like see, you know, why and how she kind of changes in Infinity War and Endgame and how she like finds her place in the Avengers in a different way. And we can see why she kind of like takes that step forward so much. So yes, yes, it was absolutely worth it. I do, of course, like, I think everybody have like slightly complicated feelings about it, but honestly, just like, thank goodness we have this movie. It's way, I know, again, I know some people were mixed on it, but I think it was better than I could have expected. I was really unsure going in. I was kind of terrified because I, I just didn't see why. I really couldn't understand the reasoning of why we were doing this now and was it going to live up to anything, and it does. Yeah, I was totally in the same bandwagon as you. As far as walking into this movie, I had lower expectations than normal because, you know, it took so long to get to this point. Why did it not come out during Phase 3? I was so worried that it just wouldn't really deliver because, you know, she has been treated as such a side character this whole time will they finally do her justice in having her own movie? And I can confidently say, yes, this was a story worth telling. And I'm so glad we finally got to this place where we got to see Natasha and get the details that like, whether we were searching them out or we didn't know that we needed. The fact that the vest that she wears in Infinity War was Yelena's vest, like, how sweet and great and like she dyed her hair blonde and it kind of makes me think like she did that to keep her around and and she's wearing her mom in quotation mark Melina's Black Widow suit yeah it just hits harder it does because you don't because we didn't know any of those things we're just like yeah like Natasha got new clothes congrats like and now that we actually see and feel all those emotions tied into it 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 makes everything so much more powerful and like you like you said too I I did walk into it kind of like "Mm, I don't know how I'm gonna feel about this and even in the first like 20 minutes of the movie I was sort of like I'm still not really sure. Yeah. It's an, it's an, but I will say it's a very dynamic introduction to yes. her world. Also so cool that Mila Jovovich's daughter is playing the young, um, the young Natasha that. Romanoff. Yes. Oh I, I, my gosh. That's so good. And it's just like continuing this badassery of women, even though she's, you know, like 15 or something like yeah. that. It's very cool to see, you know, that not only we are we getting like the next generation of, you know, Marvel superheroes, but in a, you know, pop culture way that we're continuing it for our young girls too, you know, through actual <laughs> birth. Yes. Um, so I just think it's, I, I, I love that. There was something else that you said that I wanted to touch on. And I think it's that the thing that stood out to me the most was the idea that none of the other Avengers are involved. And I was, I think, really worried that they were going to find, like, ways to, like, tie in other people or people might pop up. And I'm so glad they didn't. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that this was a totally solo adventure for Natasha because the entire time we've known her as an Avenger, she's kind of living through other people's stories. She's helping Bruce deal with all of his issues of being the Hulk, which Mm -hmm. I'm one of those weird people that, like, kind of likes their love story. Oh, yeah. I low-key shipped them together. Hard. Yeah. But also, it, like, it was 
not well done. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the idea of them, but mm-hmm. a lot of the execution of them is, like, not great. Yeah. And they they fix some of the problematic issues that came up in their relationship. We'll get to that later when yes. we're talking about um, some, like, great lines from this movie. But it's it's that. Or it's, oh, she's the woman that comes into Tony's life that is just, like, completely objectified from second one yeah. on in Iron Man 2. Or she's, you know, helping Cap and being, you know, his kind of, like, right-hand woman. Which is great because he does, I think of aside from Hawkeye, he he definitely has, like, the most respect for her. Yeah. But it still kind of takes a second. Like, she's just always in service of other people's stories. So I was very worried that they were going to bring somebody else in to just, like, remind your season Avenger. And you're like, we don't don't need that. I don't need anybody else's lens on Natasha's life. I just want to know about her. I was expecting we would see Jeremy Renner show up because like you're talking about Budapest, Budapest, Budapest. He's going to be there, right? Wrong. No. And I loved that. I loved the fact that we could have mentions. We can see the shades by which they have been a part of her story, but like not actually crowding on her during this time. And I think it was really powerful to do that and yeah I totally agree I think they've used Natasha they did not introduce her well into the MCU completely objectifying her and Iron Man 2 I liked that they were using her more creatively to be like a foil to Cap or at least like ideological differences like in Winter Soldier which was really cool but like you said like even in Avengers 2 you know problematic things come up about her and Bruce's story, like, I liked the idea of them. I think Marvel does not do the best job when it comes to relationships until recently. Until we had a lot more women in charge, and it's made a huge difference. Having more women in positions as head writers and writers of these films, Mm -hmm. directing these movies and TV shows, it matters. And it shows just the way that a lot of these women have crafted these stories. You know, you look at WandaVision as as a prime example of that and the way that Jack Schaefer was able to really work with Elizabeth Olsen and touch, like, you know, really craft and touch base on the inner workings of what Wanda's been going through through this whole time and have that, you know, be at the forefront of that story is what made that story. Having Kate Shortland and also having Scarlett Johansson as an executive producer producer of this movie, knowing you know, this character better than anyone else. Like, mm-hmm. the same way that Tom Hiddleston can give his Loki symposium, she can do the same thing. She knows everything about this character, the reasons why, you know, Natasha is the way she is and, and the different choices that she's made. And to get a chance to really have someone, you know, on her team and just make sure that Natasha is positioned in the way that I, I like to believe she's always wanted this character to be yeah. positioned is really important. And I also like that you mentioned, you brought up Jack Schaefer. Like, she also helped write the script yes. for Black Widow. So to be able to see her touchstones and just see the way that she's been able to, like, fully develop these, like, female characters that we've had for a while. We've known that they're badass, powerful, etc. But to, like, get deep with them and to see it now twice with these incredible characters, it's awesome. 
it it's like you said it makes a huge difference we as an audience we are treated to such richer stories as opposed to like, yes, we know it's a comic book movie, people are gonna fight, they're gonna be CGI action scenes, blah, 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 we get it. But like to care about the characters involved is just, it's important. Like that's how you sell any of this. Yeah, no, it's, it is important, especially when this is a character that, yes, everybody kind of like thinks they know they've seen for 10 years, and also a character that has died. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're convincing me to care about something that happened to a character that has died five years ago, I have to get something new, something more, something nuanced about mm -hmm. her or else why am I here? And, you know, I feel like we've kind of danced around the moment, but the the specific thing we're referencing when it comes to Bruce and and Natasha's relationship is when she discusses being sterilized as part of the Black Widow tr not really training program the Black Widow like brainwashing yeah <laughs> and and abuse factory that creates these assassins and the way it's played in Age of Ultron is very much this kind of like idea of like I understand how you feel being a monster because I feel like I'm a monster too because I can't have children which is like so problematic because there is already so much societal pressure on women about their fertility and mm -hmm. that whole concept of you know if you can't have babies there's something wrong with you mm -hmm. and it was a very problematic narrative then when I think everybody heard it and kind of like freaked out and like whoa that was like a, a harsh way of of trying to characterize this horrible thing that happened to this young girl that she had no control over mm -hmm. and they kind of like they, they, they use it as that way of them bonding but then kind of like gloss it over and like sort of move on so for in Black Widow to have multiple moments where there's a real nuanced discussion of what it meant for these young women to have their ovaries literally just like scraped out of their bodies mm -hmm. they, they they approach it in two ways in Black Widow which I think is really powerful so the first scene is the scene between Natasha and Yelena when mm -hmm. they're sitting there having those beers and you know discussing all the things that they feel that they've missed out on in life and mm -hmm. are you know they're not even sure what they wanted if they wanted it you know would I have wanted to have children? They don't, they, they're they not even sure. Have yeah. I thought about it? You know, yeah. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really touching and emotional way of, of having that actual discussion with these two women who've gone through this same thing. And then the other way they deal with it is when their father, you know, quote unquote dad with, with David Harbour, who is incredible in Perfection this movie. Perfection in this movie. So, so stellar. You know, when he... It, asks, you know, are you so grumpy because you're on your period? And they just yes. lose it. Because this man who has basically positioned them to have their entire lives stripped from them is saying that, you know, their emotions are so trivial that it's just based on their hormones. And then they're like, no, actually, do you want to know what happened to me? Do you want to know when you said you were protecting me and, you know, trying to make my life better? Mm -hmm. They actually did X, Y, Z. And the way that Florence Pugh just like, uh, basically still with this like interesting use of humor yeah. like eviscerates him mm -hmm. it I think is so powerful because there's really nothing that he could say back to that because she's being so frank with it mm -hmm. but she does it with this interesting kind of like like she's not trying to be funny but like she but it comes is. off of kind of humorous yeah. to be like the way that she like repeats herself of like you know like 
dragging like they just took them and then just pulled out, out you know <laughs> and doing that like a couple times like my theater laughed at that you know I think it's true because it's also sometimes like how women ha and have to deal with our trauma is kind of through humor a mm -hmm. lot of times because if we really get into the nitty-gritty of like this horrible thing that happened to me like this this is something that could break you yeah. but she has you know adopted this armor of you know humor and that is how she chooses to to process it but it's mm -hmm. it's amazing it gives me a lot of confidence that they had like not the same writers from age of ultron like crafting that scene or the people involved behind the scenes you know to be able to take such like really deep traumatic stuff and to communicate it in a way with full of heart not losing the impact of it but also like in ways being humorous being like yeah this was this thing and you're a man you do not understand how this like works and i mean david harbour takes it like a champ and honestly his breakout scene is how i imagine his breakout scene in stranger things season four whenever that comes out because uh, he is currently in a russian prison i would i would like to believe that's how he also gets out you know um how he's reunited with the hawkins guy that's what i kept yes. saying in my head i'm like this is how he does it this is how hopper's gonna do it you know i think it's very possible that yeah, i don't see why, why not <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty phenomenal the way this movie balances tone. I'm, mm. It is a movie that is, you know, very hardcore on the action, which is incredible mm -hmm. uh, per usual. The opening fight scene between sisters is something that you also really never see in, like, a family situation. Yeah. You always see, like, brothers have showdowns because, mm -hmm. you know, brothers are rough and tumble. They, like, beat each other up, but they always love each other. Sisters, that's not only a thing. It's normally, like, some sort of weird cat fight over, like, lipstick. Yeah. And instead, it's this, like, really amazing scene of the, just this gunplay and knife play, and you see just their technical prowess, which I thought was just incredible to get to watch these two women who, like, are not really trying to kill each other as much as they are, like, working through their... both of their, like, inner drama with each other, but mm -hmm. also... I think it feels also like Natasha's like not in, in like testing her sister's skills, but like mm. kind of like it's sort oh, of like it's like it, she's like somewhat excited to like see that her sister is this good mm -hmm. after you know they've been separated for decades. It's such like there's so many layers to the fighting in that scene that have nothing to do with just like the actual stunt work. It's and that's that's what I think makes the MCU so special is is the way that they frame everybody's fighting styles, the way mm -hmm. that they make them personal to that character mm -hmm. and what they've learned, but also who they are and what mm -hmm. those things mean. And yeah, I just I'm I'm very impressed with the layers of this movie. Same. And I'm impressed by the way that like we finally see multiple people like with the same kind of fighting style and mentality of how they fight together in one movie like particularly with natasha like she is a spy she is going to she has her signature move which i love the fact that yelena takes the time to a point out the pose and how dumb it is but b <laughs> her also doing it and then being like Ugh, disgusting brilliant 
We will talk a lot about uh, Florence Pugh's brilliance in this movie, but I had to throw that out. No, there. the poser, the 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 whole poser segment of this movie will be, I think, one of the most iconic parts of it because, you know, just even the double entendre of using like you're such a poser is yes. like. It's so brilliant. It's brilliant writing. It's and I guess I understand that it was kind of just like something that Florence brought to the set that ended up in the movie. Oh yeah. And I just think that that's also incredible when you have the idea that you know an actor who's kind of a, a fan, but also like intuitive and fun and game, and they find a way to kind of like work it in to a plot line is part of why these you know, why this movie in particular sings. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that this is now the second pair of sisters that we've had in a movie to see them, like, be with each other, you know, and work through their ish. Like, thankfully, we've had with, like, Nebula and Gamora through the Guardians movies and even some of the Avengers movies, you know, seeing that full process of for them, but it took so long, whereas... It's nice that like we had a resolution to their working out their ish, coming at their goodbye, like kills me just because we know, we as an audience member like know what's about to happen, yeah. what she is like getting on that Quinjet to go off and do. And of course the post credit scene, like seeing Yelena just mourn Natasha in the way that like we all wish we had an endgame and we finally have that moment. Um, I am so glad that we had that moment instead of a big funeral. Mm -hmm. Um, It's funny because like at the end of endgame you're kind of pissed that like you're like okay all we get is you guys like crying on the on the dock yep like about how she's dying. And then Jeremy Renner with that one line of I wish I could tell her. It's like okay we could have done so much more here. We could have, but I'm actually glad that we got what we got instead because mm-hmm. it felt more intimate and it felt more like Natasha. Like Natasha, yes. you know, the Iron Man funeral is very like grandiose, very Tony Stark. And instead you just have who, you know, we didn't know her at the time with Yelena. You have her sister mm-hmm. being the one to, you know, be there and tend to her grave and has that dog she always wanted. Which, by the way, is that Florence's dog? I haven't done any looking. I just wanted to know. No. But I do know that the dog's name is Fanny, which was one of the aliases that that guy brought up to Natasha, like, of her fake IDs. She's yeah. like, Fanny, and like, what kind of name is this? And she gave the dog after. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. No, I just, I, like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, I wonder if that's Florence's actual dog. <laughs> but I was like, I don't follow her on Instagram enough to know. I mean, I should, I actually do follow her. I should know what her dogs look I like. I follow her on Instagram, but I'm more interested in her, uh, her cooking image, videos. Her, yeah. Her cooking yep. videos. They're fantastic. Listen, multi-talented queen. Yes. She's good at everything, which is like the most annoying, but also like good for her. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> we're really happy for you, but also like, dang, really? Can you like save some talent for the rest of us queens? Thanks. No. Okay. That's fine. Keep it all for yourself, Florence. It's fine. It's fine. But no, I don't know if the dog is. I don't know either. I wanted to ask you, like, there's clearly a lot of things that work in this movie. What are some things that you think could have maybe been improved upon? So, for me, the opening sequence is actually, like... It was hard for me to get through because it just was so not what I was, 
expecting. Mm -hmm. There's so many layers to what is happening with this family and the idea that they're Russian spies, but that their kids don't really know that and but maybe they do. It's just, it's so much information at once mm -hmm. when you don't know anything about these people that it's a little jarring. Yeah. But I also understand there's no other way to establish this family without it. Like you, you can't like start with Scarlett like going to the trailer and then have like a weird flashback scene. Yeah. So I appreciate that they did it chronologically and show that. I think there's gonna be a lot of very interesting deep dives into the opening credit sequence. Yeah. I think that cover, Smells Like Teen Spirit, is incredible. Yes. But I was like, slight, I, I didn't particularly like the credit sequence. Mm -hmm. I found it really uncomfortable to watch, but I think that's the point. Yeah. I think they're trying to bring you really into the terror of what the widow's lives are mm -hmm. and it's all just really jarring when you're like it's your first movie back you've never like you just it's nothing like I expected yeah and so like while I don't particularly care for it I think watching it a second or third time I think I'll have a lot more appreciation for it mm -hmm. and more understanding of it and be a little more just like conscious of what's happening I think there's really cool things that they like put into that opening credit sequence like I remember when I saw like President Clinton I was like yeah. I'm sorry you guys were allowed to do what you guys like, yeah I mean I understand they were like establishing the time frame and they have to show that you know this guy was a major political figure and he met the president and yeah. instead of it being a fake president he's the real president I was like okay oh. Marvel you're just going all the way there I see you they got that money to spend, you They know? do. I mean, he's not going to sue them. They didn't say he did anything. They just said he met this fictional character. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of what else didn't work for me. I think it's always going to be a little difficult to have a villain that spends the primary amount of their time in a mask. Mm -hmm. I feel sort of like it's a similar situation to... Our villain in um, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yes. Uh, Ghost. Yes. Mm -hmm. I feel like we've had so many great villains recently. This one feels very underdeveloped. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's because she's not really a villain. Yeah. She's, you know, an assassin that's, like, after them physically, but the real villain is, well, in part the system. In part, like, so it's... I feel like that part is a little messy mm -hmm. when it comes to this movie, but at the end of the day, like, the family stuff is so strong that, like, I kind of don't care. Yeah. Yeah. That's honestly, uh, you know, something that you bring up about Taskmaster, like, that villain. I... I'm really thankful I'm not as well-versed in, like, the comic book world because I saw such... After the first night, you know, I started looking at, like, okay, what are the people saying? Huge fans of, you know, the, the Marvel comics, they were very disappointed by Taskmaster. Like, you stripped away what could have been, like, a really great villain. And I'm like, no, actually, like, I'm really okay with Taskmaster only being Dracoff's, like, or his daughter, essentially. Like, going out and doing his dirty business, you know. And... It, I didn't feel like I was cheated out of like a great villain or whatever. 
Could have it been better? Yes, absolutely. But it wasn't the draw of that movie for me. It really was like this family, Natasha. I just wanted to see her shine and she did. And so if that meant the villain didn't shine in this movie, that's okay. We've had plenty of great villains. It's not the end of the world. You mentioned the opening credit scene. Like they've never really done an opening credit scene like that. So it was very jarring to watch that being like, I feel like I'm watching the beginning of like a TV show, yeah. like how they show, you know, scenes like that. They kind of like put you into the world. Like it felt so different, but at the same time, like, yeah, like it just felt really different. And I was like, okay, where, where are we going? What are we doing with this? And yeah, the fact that like, you watched uh, all of these like young girls being trafficked into Russia and to be separated out and like watching that process, which is unfortunately something very real that it goes on to this day. Trafficking is so like alive and well, but like to kind of like gloss over that, it felt very, I wish like that moment wasn't included with like a credits. But they also did so much though with the red room and yeah. like, that it like makes up for that too. But I found myself being like, this is like a real thing that happens and we're just like. Cause it, yeah, the, I think the issue with it is it's great exposition, but like you said, with it being credits, there's other things that are kind of like popping in that are kind of taking my attention away from it. Mm -hmm. So it, doesn't mean to trivialize any of it but in some ways it almost feels kind of like it does yeah because yeah like I get distracted by this you know Clinton moment yeah when at the same time you know yes you're like this is a very real scene of you know young girls being trafficked these this young girl being like taken away from her mother mm -hmm. which is like it's one of the most horrifying things that I think you'll ever see in a Marvel movie because it is very very real mm -hmm. so yeah i i do think maybe there was a better way to put that in there mm -hmm. but it, i actually like i know i hate being one of those people that like has a problem and no solution i don't have a better solution for it yeah. so i'm like okay i see why you did that yeah yeah a lot of the things that could have been improved upon like i don't really have an answer to like how they could have done that because otherwise like i thought it for what they did i was really satisfied overall not to say it's not a perfect movie by yeah. any means like i think some of the action in like the final battle wasn't as like compelling but like the stuff in the room with Drakoff, you know like that she was manipulating him <laughs> so that she could access like the files to all of his potential widows you know and to like bring down that system it was so that was more powerful than her escaping the exploding uh, yeah. headquarters or whatever. Yeah, agreed. It's because you're getting a chance to see her mental prowess on top of the physical, you know, how she's this amazing fighter. And I think that that's what st stood out to me the most in this movie is the idea that, you know, it really isn't about who can punch the hardest. It is about the fact that this woman is smarter than you and she is a survivor and her entire life has been her finding ways to, you know, find and fight her way out of bad situations. And 
you know, her heart, she, she always leads heart first Mm -hmm. and it's, it's one of her greatest strengths is that she truly does want the world to be a better place and not the world that she has lived in and that she has had to work her way through. I mean, even when you think about the idea of like the way that she was so objectified in Iron Man Mm -hmm. 2 and all that stuff, that was all her using her feminine wiles. It wasn't that Natasha was some, like, dumb chick that didn't know that that's how he thought of her and what what was going to happen. Yeah. I do think there has always been, even when people have tried to take the agency away from this character, that she has always been aware of the fact that that's what they're doing. Because, you know, from the, from the time she was a young child, that's what people have been doing to her, aka every single woman in the world. Yes. So the, she's just a giant metaphor for womanhood, and I think they did a really good job of really putting that out there with this movie and being clear that her experience is not an isolated experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the power of seeing all of the widows. I love what you were saying about seeing other people fighting in her style and mm-hmm. understanding even more than you did from, you know, what we learned in Ultron, you know, why her fighting style is the way it is. Mm-hmm. Just watching them, you know, go through their paces yeah. was like, it's crazy, but it's, I mean, it's, it's weird to say it's so cool because it's just like an amazing choreography of the scene, but it's, it's but it is so cool. It's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I look. There was something that you said that I wanted to, like, pick up on. That you talked about that, like, Natasha is a survivor. It reminds me of how Loki has, like, dubbed himself. Like, the only reason Lokis, like, stick around is they are survivors. And it's really fascinating that we have, like, two characters right now that are currently in the limelight because Loki is going on and... And with Black Widow that you have two characters who are essentially survivors and how they choose how they see the world how they choose to survive in the world and their mental abilities to like outthink outsmart and outlast and it is it's it's really something no, just, that's a, re- just a nugget I'd share no that's a really interesting thing and that is I, I think the I like I It's so incredible what the MCU does in terms of their themes and in terms of, you know, what they're exploring Mm -hmm. with their movies. And I will say that that is pretty impressive with their scheduling. They are very good at targeting, like, a certain type of message that they're trying to approach and finding characters that have similar things that they're dealing with and that is a really good point on on Loki as well you know because obviously we just saw that episode where yeah. he, he talks about Lokis are survivors but it is also interesting how what you said about how they see the world is Natasha is very much trying to like free the world mm-hmm. and you know, the other survivors like her, where Loki has very much been, like, an isolator. Mm -hmm. Like, she's always been chasing family. In some respects, I think he has been chasing family, but Mm -hmm. instead has just found ways to, like, further isolate himself. So I'm looking forward to seeing him, I think... I think that's where the show is going, Mm -hmm. is where he's going to, you know, finally figure out, like, what his family is and, and why 
yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm honestly very excited to see the final episode of that one. I... Because I could be completely wrong with where they're going with it. But yeah, that is, that is really interesting. I didn't even think about that until you brought this up. And speaking of family, we gotta talk about Natasha's main form of family being... Her sister Yelena, aka Florence Pugh, and really, it's Florence Pugh's world, and we are just living in it. I was so excited that she was cast in this movie because I just think she's the most exciting actress right now. Like, I, I just think everything that she's in, she brings just such a different energy to each project and it's you really don't know what she's going to do so the idea that she was going to be partnered with Scarlett Johansson just sounded wonderful to me and she completely blew me away in this movie I wasn't expecting her to be this funny I wasn't expecting her to be this badass Mm -hmm. I mean I knew she was but I just I don't think I knew what we were going to get from this character and she completely steals the entire film and it just gives us more excitement for what's to come with her kind of joining into what we're going to see her again in Hawkeye yeah, and kind of joining into, I guess they're setting up. I mean, I know we know they're setting up like some of young Avengers, yes. but she's also, you know, going to, add to some other parts of the MCU world. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited about where the character is going to go, but even more so just what we got to see from her in this. Uh, I think, you know, yes, it is Natasha's movie, but it very much is Elena's movie. Yeah. I mean, it serves us both because we are getting the story we finally needed from Natasha, we were also getting Yelena's story and seeing like where it goes from here. So I like this was, yes, it was a Black Widow movie, but it really was like a sister movie that we get to see where they part ways and where they go from here. And I'm very excited of like what Florence is going to bring to the MCU moving forward. And I'm excited at the fact that she's going to be in Hawkeye and that she's going to be sharing scenes with Haley Steinfeld, another great young actress that like they are both super talented. Both have been nominated for Oscars. Like I think the world of this combination, like I cannot wait. Same. I was, it was funny because obviously the news was out there. We had actually reported it at Variety, but it was very like, kind of like hush hush that she was like going to make an appearance in Hawkeye. So when we get that, that post credit scene, it all just like clicked in my brain. Like at the same time, I was like, wait, the person she's going to, you know, she's going to say that understanding now the reason why she enters into the Hawkeye series and understanding that it's like vengeance for her sister, even though she doesn't know the situation of what went down, it's it's gonna be explosive. It's gonna be so good. And it's not just like she pops in for a cameo, which is kind of, to be honest, what I thought might happen, but mm-hmm. to understand like the real intentionality behind her coming in as character. And it's funny because somebody I saw on Twitter the other day was like, you know, Yelena deserves a better nemesis than than like Hawkeye, basically. And I was like, but it's an emotional, it's, yeah. it's gonna be an emotional nemesis. And I don't, like how do you explain to somebody that like, I mean, 
I let your sister die, but like I tried to fight her to keep her from dying. She really kind of committed suicide, but she was doing it to save the world. But like, I'm really not the bad guy. Yeah. How do you have that conversation with someone who can literally kill you? Yeah. <laughs> like as they are attacking. Exactly. How do you? How do you like get those words out? Yeah. I would. I, I would like to see it. Well, it feels like he's not going to know who she is by no. any means because it's just gonna be like, who are you? Why are you after me? And she's like, oh, you're gonna find out. You know, or like. I feel like she's going to be a little bit more, like, sassy with Of that. course. Florence will do it just fine. Um, <laughs> she's the Oscar nominee. We're not trying to act we're, no, 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 no. We're not giving her notes. But, like, she is going to be a real threat to him. Mm-hmm. And then to finally get to that place of, yeah, like, how do you communicate? This was the crazy situation that happened that somehow saved the world. Your sister saved the world, but I also tried to die too yeah so like it's just and she's like you should have yeah <laughs> like that would be my response i, mean, I would yeah. be like well i'm not why did you try harder exactly yeah you basically did i mean he took her in, and that's and that still goes to that other you know conversation and argument about endgame as to whether or not you know, there was very much that fight for Natasha to have that agency of making the choice and actually being the one to sacrifice herself for the Soul Stone. And it was, I'm still very glad it went that way because I do think if he had like saved her or whatever, that would have been trash. Yeah. Um, so, but again, explaining that to the sister who's trying to kill you is going to be very hard to do. But I can't wait to watch that. Yep, can't wait. I'm, 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 because that's the thing. I'm emotionally invested mm-hmm. in this showdown now. Where if that wasn't the, if that wasn't the reason, I don't know, I don't know what else would have gotten me emotionally invested. Yeah, and I like that. I mean, okay, in the pre, in the pre-COVID world, Black Widow was positioned to like kick off Phase Four, and then to have Falcon and Winter Soldier be the next series. So. That is obviously not what happened. We, they rearranged it, but we still got kind of enjoyment of that post-credit scene with Julia Louis-Dreyfus showing up um, as Valentina, Contessa, all the other names. (laughs) Um, It was fantastic to see her, but it was also like, oh my gosh, that was supposed to be your introduction as opposed to like when she showed up in Falcon and Winter Soldier, we'd be like, oh, we already know you, instead of being like, wait, who are you? I mean, I still love seeing her, but I definitely had that moment as I walked out of the theater thinking about it of, oh yeah, this would have been like our yeah. first like scene with her. What, do you, what would you have preferred, do you think? I mean, uh, as a post-credit scene or her As her introduction. I mean, I'm kind of thankful for what we got, honestly. Yeah, me too. Because yeah. <laughs> thinking about it, I'll be honest, I think it would have been really weird and confusing. We would have been like, wait, who is this person? Yeah. Like, why do we care? Yeah. Like, we we would obviously care at the fact, like, here is the person who killed your sister. Yeah. Like, that but I would woman. be like, who is this woman who's allergic to the Midwest? Like, it's, a, it's yeah. by the way, a brilliant line. Yes. Super funny. But also, I would have been like, who are you and why are you involved yeah. in this? I needed to know who she was and have that full intro and you know the conversion of into US agent mm-hmm. and all of that stuff to understand what she's setting up mm-hmm. before I need before I wanted to see her with Elena cuz now I yeah. know what the stakes are now I understand why she would even be like you know co- also the the back and forth of like 
that she's bothering her on her time off. off yeah. And like that <laughs> and I'm like, especially this year, as we've as we've discussed and changed our lives post-COVID, they're like, the boundaries this woman is not listening to. Like, you really are a bad person. Like, you would have thought after, like, it went through this snapping, like, we've gone through COVID, like, clearly Marvel did not know this was going to be a thing. Nope. But, like, that is also, like, I would imagine, as we are seeing in this post-snap world, post-endgame, that, like, people are trying to deal right now and like having boundaries and recognizing oh maybe you need therapy right now instead of turning an entire town into your sitcom world you know like (laughs) i love wandavision i think it's brilliant um but i and that's what we were talking about earlier i i really appreciate the idea that you know wandavision and falcon winter soldier are both of these people dealing and working through their grief mm -hmm. and it's I think also, again, Marvel could not have known that we were going through the pandemic, but the timing of those two shows was very beneficial, I think, because the people who were watching them were going through similar things, Mm -hmm. and it encouraged this, you know, actual exploration of mental health, which you never really expect to get from a Marvel movie, or rather, Marvel TV shows. No, and I'm hope that trajectory like keeps going you know that they keep advocating in that way but i feel like yeah this is phase four as like here's the time where we like sit down look at our boundaries and like oh we have stuff to work out and yes. so yeah like yelena she's we don't know if she was snapped or not we don't know what life that she lived we don't know if she was snapped or not we don't stop it oh my gosh there's so many things that we're gonna learn yeah you just blew my mind i didn't even think about that Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I know. I'm geeked about that. But, like, we have no idea. So the fact that, like, she when she made that line of, like, you know, you're messing with, you're interrupting my vacation <laughs> right now as I am grieving my sister. Yes. Like, boundaries. Like, she and has not. And the, exactly. And, like, the best part about it is, like, who's going to, like, fuck with Yelena's boundaries? Yeah, seriously. Like, like that's scary. That's a scary. That's a scary concept. Who would? <laughs> who would do that? Like, but, I wouldn't mess with her at all. But it's and I. But I also like that she like has established boundaries, and that's something that you could see a character like that doing now that she has agency over her own life. Is that she has actually set up boundaries for herself? She has come mm-hmm. up with healthy coping mechanisms you know, in her post-widow existence. Well, I mean, we're going to see how healthy those are, you know, once she uh, runs into uh, Hawkeye. Probably, like, you know, like, we all black, we all backslide sometimes. Well, you know, it, we're human. It exactly, happens. exactly. But that is also something that, aside from whether or not she got snapped, is a very cool idea is that we get to see kind of what happens more with the widows Mm-hmm. in general yeah. um, moving forward, I hope. And, and I actually also think that that was kind of the um, hidden meaning of the movie's title as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that it is so plainly Black Widow, but also it is a movie about the Black Widows as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I thought that the idea that we really got a chance to explore what that meant in this movie was really phenomenal and and that you know obviously Elena is our our entry point into that world I'm trying to think of one of my other favorite Elena moments because there are so many 
I loved uh, her scene with Alexi. This is more of like a heartfelt moment when she's in the bedroom after like she freaks out on her family, which I'm glad she had that moment because she was the only one that really felt like that time was real to her. Yeah, like she was Natasha, so young. She was so young. Like it, that's all she, those would probably be like her earliest memories. Yeah. Whereas like Natasha, of course she comes around at the end of like, yes, it was real for me too, but she had her, a mother that she kind of remembered before, you yeah. know, she got placed into this family. Yeah. And for Yelena to have that moment was like very powerful, but I loved her scene with, Alexi with David Harbour when he's singing um, American Pie to her like as his because he cannot verbalize he is not a great communicator he doesn't know how to speak to his daughter but he starts singing those lyrics because we know how much that song meant to her said everything that needed to be said and it was just one of my favorite like bonding moments there between them that just like particularly stuck out to me obviously the post scene was hilarious and great and honestly all of her scenes with Natasha like she's like the little sister who's like pushing all the buttons like making up for lost time and like I have a younger sister so like I saw that a lot and I'm curious if my sister will watch this movie and if she will have follow-up oh she's gonna like cry and call you I feel like she's going I mean this is such an emotional family movie every part of it that was actually in the opening sequence the idea that they paid off that American Pie moment yes. later was really, I think, very important. I think in general, just... So from the first time you really get to see like their their sisterhood, like the car chase scene, I was glad that they put that out first so we could get kind of like their vibe mm-hmm. because it is like the least impactful like sister moment of the entire movie. Oh, yeah. It's like kind of the cheesy, like, you know... The, the cheesy this is this kind of sister and she's she's the like you know brash one and she's the sensible one yeah and I was glad that they got out of that and allowed them to have like real talk so when they get to the gas station Great and scene. just you know that's of course where we get our poser moment is where that that starts out but it's also just the idea of like you know being clear that these are not gods. These are people. Like, mm-hmm. you do have to kind of clean up after a fight. It's all the real moments, the in-between, that we don't normally get to see from a Marvel movie mm-hmm. that made that stand out. But also in terms of the family family, from the time they get to Rachel Weisz's cottage yes. and sit down at the table, <laughs> just arranged the same way they would sit down at their table back in Ohio. And it's... It's honestly just some of the best acting from all of them because you get a, a real sense of who all of these all of these people were and who they became, but they still so quickly slip back into that family narrative of you know you kind of got like the Daffy Dad who has now tried his suit back on and it's very Stop proud it. of it. So I love that they gave them that um, Incredibles moment where he yeah. just he just can't can't. Stop being living in those glory days, that mm-hmm. Red Guardian. Oh my gosh, I just remembered the, I just remembered the line uh, where he asks if Captain America has ever asked about him. Oh my gosh, you're just like, really, Dad? That's like, what you care about right now? That is the most important thing in this moment, and 
it's genius. Like there, and there's so many of those just incredible one-liners in this movie that we could literally do that just all day. But anyway, back to back to that scene as they're you know basically as Yelena's just like taking shots to deal with her family. I think we've all been that person at in a family dinner and dealing with the dynamics of your parents, and then they get all weirdly sexual, and you're just you're like. like can we focus? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just an interesting way as they're all looking back on what that time meant to each other and leads mm-hmm. to that beautiful scene that you mentioned as, you know, she kind of skulks off to the bedroom and he, you know, finally does articulate that, yes, I do love you. I just, I can't love you because I'm a spy and you're not, you know, my, my allegiance has always been to the mission, mm-hmm. but in fulfilling the mission they actually did create something real together and that's I mean it just as much as the Avengers series and the MCU in general has been about chosen family Mm -hmm. the idea that they're they're exploring chosen family and this you know the in a real family construct is really it's just really powerful um has a lot to say I think about I mean this is a case of adoption by being a spy, but a case of like blood is not what makes you family, but it's beautiful to see that put on screen. Yeah. And also having Rachel Weisz telling uh, Scarlett, uh, don't slouch the table. <laughs> yes. And you're like, and you thought you weren't being a mother, like all you, and you know, but that was also her coping mechanism. You can't get too invested in these children that are not yours mm-hmm. and that can be taken away from you at any time, mm-hmm. even though you are feeling that maternal instinct towards them. Like, it's kind of an impossible situation, and just it, it's impressive that the MCU took that on and found a way to make you care about it even to Karen think that she's a double agent and that she's turned against her, you know, daughters after she's like, you know, shared all the, this information about how Natasha's mother, you know, really did search for her and yeah. you oh, heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Also, I, I, like another moment that Yelena gets to have is where she really confronts her. Cause again, I think that's also something that during this time, I think more of us have done is, understood our parents and our families more and established mm-hmm. boundaries with our parents more and as being adults you know I was I was someone who went and lived with my parents for a little while during this COVID time and mm-hmm. being with your parents again as an adult is such a weird thing because you you know respectfully can unpack your traumas with them and tell them things that happened to you or happened kind of because of you or because of them rather Yeah, that you otherwise probably wouldn't have gotten into so to watch her kind of explain oh you know this is this cool thing that the mind control thing that I learned how that I crafted with these pigs and just showing how it works Mm -hmm. and you know the way she dealt with it was by conveniently not knowing because she didn't want to know yeah what that technology was actually being used for and then to have to be confronted with the fact that it was I don't know implanted in your fake daughters mm-hmm. um well fake daughter and you like you were designing something that was created to take in essence agency away from more women and yeah. then that one of those women was your child it's a pretty harsh truth but I'm glad that they got to have that like they really hash it out over that table yeah it's it's a great powerful scene and I think for Melina to be like confronted like literally sitting next to the person that it actually affected it was like 
so powerful, meaningful. And for us, like before we found out that she and Natasha switched places, it felt like nothing affected her. Like that realization did nothing, but then in reality, we found out it did. And so I'm so glad for that moment. And it was really, wasn't planning on making this transition, but hear me out. Okay. Phase four, we got our first movie back and we have three more Marvel movies this year. That's and crazy. most of them have to do with family. Yeah. We've got uh, Shang-Chi who, uh, his dad was the Mandarin. Like, trauma. Then you, <laughs> yeah, trauma. Trauma. <laughs> you've got <laughs> the Eternals, which is essentially found family, or found family throughout eons of life. Yeah. And then you've got Spider-Man No Way Home, which is Spider-Man's on the run, his friends, we don't know what's happening with Aunt May, like his family's kind of like in jeopardy right now. And so it's, Marvel works really well for me when it's like tackling family and stuff like that. And so I find it fascinating that all of these movies this year have to do with the complexities of family, found family, what is our like responsibility in relationship to them? How do we care for them well? Like it's fascinating. No, it's incredibly fascinating. I agree with you. I think it is what Marvel does best because it does give you stakes in these relationships. And, you know, I think we haven't really said it this way, but I think that was the whole reason why we weren't sure Black Widow was going to work because what are the stakes? She's dead already. Mm -hmm. Why do I care? And the reason why I care is because now I've understood who her family was uh, outside of the Avengers Mm -hmm. and who this impacted that was not, you know, the people that we already knew on screen. There were all of these people that loved and cared about her you know, that we didn't know about. And now we get to kind of um, see who was grieving Natasha for real, you know, in in the way of her past. Because all we knew before this, you know, we found out her father's name, mother's name? We found out her father's name literally before she sacrificed herself because she didn't know her father's name. So, like, that was a big thing. But to have no context about her mom at all... And, like, found family's great, don't get me wrong. Like, we saw her, like, motivation and care for in Endgame of, like, it has always led to this moment. I want to get everybody back because this was all I had. But to find out, like, where she got that from Mm -hmm. in Black Widow just makes it, her sacrifice, even more, like, impactful and... Now we know what she was like really, really fighting for beyond, you know, our, our Avengers. It's so funny because like I'm watching you and also myself and it's, I think really hard to talk about this movie without getting emotional. Yeah. Like, and I didn't, I again, did not expect that. I'm sure there's plenty of people that are going to watch this movie totally unmoved, Mm -hmm. but I just found the nuance within the storytelling so moving, but also found it really, really funny. So I guess we could probably transition to talking about David Harbour and the incredible everything that is the Red Guardian. Oh my gosh. And I do need some sort of short, if you will, even, that is like 
a video of him in his glory days. Yeah. Like, can that be in the bonus features of this? Because I just, at, at some point, I want him just, like, sitting down, putting in a VHS, and just, just like, like, watching his highlight reel. Oh, my God. Because you know he has, like, I mean, I guess he doesn't have one because he's a spy. He doesn't really have a lot of, like, belongings. But. <laughs> but you would like to believe that there's some footage out there he would finds it and he just puts it on and he you just see this big smile come on his face i also uh, would love to see we've got a what if series let's have an episode what if red guardian and captain america fought i would watch that sure it'd be cartoon or whatever so but like get chris evans get david harvard to voice it like it would work for me we have options now. Listen, maybe there's a way he'll end up in the new Captain America movie. Who knows? Oh my god! I mean, there's so many possibilities because there is, is still so much discussion that in some way, shape, or form, Chris will somehow be back as Captain America. I don't really want him to, though, It's honestly. wild. It was, I will tell you, it is one of those stories that I wrote that was like the wishy-washiest story ever because we were just like... So essentially the reporting is that at some point in some way he's going to be back as Captain America, but obviously we can't and won't tell you. So, okay. And you're just like, wait, what does that even mean? I mean, I, I don't foresee it really happening in the Captain America movie. Mm-hmm. I think it will be some sort of extended cameo, mm-hmm. but who knows? Who knows? But maybe you'll get your wish. Maybe that'll be it. Maybe it'll be that fight between the two of them. Like, have a true, like, Cold War fight or something like that. Uh, That would be incredible. Or even have, like, him fight any Captain America, like Sam Wilson. Why not? I think it'd be very interesting. I think there's just a lot of fun to be had with that character. I obviously don't know much of the lore, the comic book lore when it comes to Red Guardian, but I just, I think the way that, I mean, also what's very interesting about families is that you can very much see how the two sisters took on some personality traits of their parents. Yes. Even though they're not their actual parents, there is something to be said of like what nurture does and how it affects your personality. And I think that's part of what makes that heartfelt moment with the American Pie singing so effective is because neither of them are very good with their emotions or very good about talking through things. So it it just, you know, she she plays off most of things with humor, but also with, you know, very hardened exterior. Mm-hmm. And it's just fun to get a chance to see where that came from and get to see him just, like, just, just be such, like... He's a buffoon in a way that normally I don't like in movies because mm-hmm. I hate the kind of like daffy dad narrative. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why are all dads like inept? And he's not, because that's the thing, he's not inept. Mm-hmm. He like can't, it's not that he like can't do his job. I mean, he just got a little pudgy and he's obsessed he was, with the glory days. That's okay. He was in jail, you exactly. know, like he, years have gone by. Like, yeah. And, it's fine. But he was you, arm wrestling, but that uh, he was skipping leg day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he his arms were doing just fine, you know, legs, abs. That was a funny life. scene, too. That was actually really... And he was getting a tattoo while it was mm-hmm. happening, too. Another one. 
What was that tattoo of? I don't remember. I think that was of him. It looked yeah. like him. And then somebody had screenshotted, like, he had Natasha and Yelena's names on his arm. And I'm like, oh. And then, of course, the tattoo that is of what's the... Melina? Yes. He had Melina's face on his chest yes. as well, which that's a stellar tattoo if you're gonna get one. Yes, and I love that they still have like the hots for each other. Exactly, your fake husband, but it, you guys are still getting it. I'm yeah. Like, okay. Like, good on them. I was, and horrifying thought, I was like, you know, in my head, I was like, oh, don't, you know, m make any spy babies. But then I remembered that she had also been sterilized. Yeah. Because. You know, that's just what we do to women. Yeah, that is, that was the nature by which they uh, dealt with. It's the nature women. by which you control. Yeah. It's, you know, free will, man. Mm. We are lucky to, we are lucky, we are lucky. Yeah, we are lucky to have that. And it would be really interesting to see like more of Red Guardian and really like explore that because like, I think the whole thing about him is he was basically Captain America for the Soviet Union yeah. during like the heights of the Cold War, so communism and really like advocating for like one mind, one people, you know, but like the realities of that, which like I think in the movie you kind of see him really kind of gloss over the fact because like look at how great I was. Exactly. And it would be really cool to either see him during that time or even, like, post that of, okay, after the fact, oh, maybe this wasn't great. Or, like, see the cracks in it or I don't know. I think that that is something that they will slash would explore moving forward. I think it doesn't seem like the character would have necessarily... But we don't know him that well. We don't know him like that. Yeah. But I... I, I I don't feel like we would get the same potential, like, emotional exploration of his, like, back and forth of is this an okay thing to do in the past as much as we would get it now, potentially, because when it's your worldview, when it's, you don't really know anything different, mm -hmm. who is to say, like, why, why necessarily would he even think that that was bad? Yeah. And I... I yeah, I'm I'm curious how how Marvel would attack that. Mm -hmm. um, but I I did kind of imagine that in my, you know, thought of his highlight reel. He's literally doing the exact same thing as Captain America is punching Hitler. Yeah. You know, he'll be out there on the stage with his like band of, yes. of women. It's it would be exactly the same situation, but mm -hmm. you know, in favor of communism and mm -hmm. you know, Russian supremacy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, man, there's there's so much to do with these characters and that is always the appreciation of Marvel is that everything is so layered while of course being true to and taking from and sometimes you know, putting a spin on what the comics have done as well mm -hmm. which is I mean exciting because to some extent I know you we were talking a bit earlier about you know why people from the comics were disappointed with Taskmaster and yeah they could have just picked a different superhero or not superhero a different villain and yeah. not use some one that was in the comics if you're not going to like go all the way there but at the same time I understand the idea of like trying to have some familiarity and sometimes try to throw people off a little bit too which yeah. I think they do a good job with a misdirect yeah um, and I appreciate it I like it because like it 
it offers a different way to see the movie and then even like your storytelling and like one of my favorite misdirects that has happened recently was in Captain Marvel like the idea that the scrolls were they were the ones being attacked and they weren't the villains it was the Kree because I went in with the expectation of like they're shapeshifters oh my gosh like these are classic Marvel villains I can't like can't wait to see what kind of mayhem happens but I liked that change which another female centric story couldn't be more excited for the Marvels. Let's just say that. Oh we're my we're here. gosh. It's going to blow everybody's minds. Can't wait. It, everything on paper about that movie is just like, yep, sign me up. Can't All wait. All works for me. Every little bit of it. Oh my gosh. That's going to be so freaking good. Which we're supposed to get that next year. Yeah, they're supposed to start filming soon. soon. Like very soon. They well, were in pre-production like a month ago. Well, I know Brie Larson, she just announced that yeah. she's taking a break from YouTube because she's going back to her actual job, yes. which is like, okay, yeah. Marvel's time. Yes, they're going to London shortly if they're, some of them may be there already. But I mean, there's so much exciting stuff to look forward to mm -hmm. with the rest of phase four. And I actually, like you, am very glad that we ended up having WandaVision first and that this mm -hmm. movie came later. I think I needed more time, I guess, to deal with Natasha being dead before seeing this, weirdly enough. Like, yeah. I think I needed to, I think it would have been too soon somehow. Yeah. If Black Widow would have come out when it was supposed to, I feel like it would have been like, we're dealing with this and we're moving on. Like she's like, yeah, we're just like closing it out. out. It's like an extended post-credit scene yeah. is what it would have felt like. It'd been like, okay, here's like the epilogue of Endgame. Bye. Yeah. And to be able to know, like, obviously like who's to say how we would have actually felt watching that movie, how it was intended, you know, like who's to say, but at least look hindsight 2020, looking at this being like, yeah, I'm really happy that we had other things yeah. to lead us to this point where Natasha was the main event. She wasn't the, oh, we're getting us over and done with. And then we're going to forget about her. Yeah. I think, I, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think it would have been a very weird, just like, we're just trying to wrap this story up. Yeah. We're like, this is the Infinity Saga, and we're done with the Infinity Saga. Yeah. Take your take your little Infinity Stone paperweights and go home. <laughs> oh my gosh. I am so <laughs> glad that Loki included that as a joke of, hey, it we're not so doing funny. Infinity Stones anymore. Like, this is not uh, a thing. These are a joke to us. They are paperweights. Uh, hysterical. Just, I love when, when the MCU gets meta about itself. Ugh. It's great. That is, that's been one of the highlights of Loki for me is the ways that they're so about that. And honestly, I think Kevin Feige is one of the, uh, he's essentially a timekeeper, you know, like he's in charge of all of this and like, he here comes the multiverse. He's here in charge this. of that sacred timeline. Oh my gosh. All about the sacred timeline. Before we wrap up, sure. because we have so much coming still of phase four and you know, with series and movies, a, have you been enjoying Phase 4 so far? And B, what are you looking forward to next? I have really been loving Phase 4 so far. I think 
that whole more introspective look that Marvel is taking at itself and at these characters has really been working for me. I think it's really powerful. I think it's really exciting. I think it's bringing in fans to Marvel that have never been interested in these movies before because they have been, you know, flashy you know, beat each other up, kind of, you know, who can punch the hardest kind of thing. And I think everyone is looking for a different kind of entertainment now. And it, it really did, un it has kind of unfolded perfectly. I think we are now moving into the part of phase four that is sort of like when Guardians happened, where you're just like... What a time. It was, a, it was an interesting time because no one knew what to expect from a movie like that. I know I didn't. I had no clue what was coming. And it was a, it was characters that are not as well known. So we're kind of getting into this new, very like exciting part of what the MCU is and getting all these new people and all these new stories and all these new worlds getting involved. It's interesting that Black Widow is closing out the Infinity Saga in like kind of the middle of phase four because we actually, I think, needed those other, like we needed the other three series to also close out the Infinity Saga, mm -hmm. but not after Black Widow, if that makes sense. Yeah. All the new movies that are coming pretty much and all the shows, save for Hawkeye, like it kind of would have been cool to, well, because you can't really do Hawkeye before this one yeah. at any stage of the game. That's the only one, that's the only story that's kind of like a loose thread hanging mm -hmm. from the Infinity Saga and Spider-Man too, obviously. And, well, a well, little no, bit of Thor 4 as well, a little Thor bit. Thor 4 kind of, but I feel like we got, I mean, Spider-Man kind of already got wrapped up the Infinity Saga part of it with... Technically, yeah. Yeah, like they're actually the most beyond Infinity Saga at mm -hmm. this point. Thor 4, I'm, I am... Here. I mean, I think that's kind of when we get back to like having fun. Yeah. In the Marvel like MCO, and I'm really, really so excited about that movie. That's actually the movie that I'm most excited for yeah. is Love and Thunder, just because I'm very invested in the world that Taika has created. Oh my gosh. I just, it's so much fun. Also very excited for Guardians, but that's like ten years down the line. It's not, but you know what I mean. What else am I excited for? I mean, I am excited to see these new worlds that we're getting with Eternals, with Shang-Chi. I'm glad that that's September. I'm glad that like we don't have to wait that long. Yeah. Because I don't know if I could wait that long. Because, it's a, again, it's a character we don't know. Mm -hmm. Have very little like cross-pollination with the other characters, save for the Mandarin, which was obviously somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited to see how they're going to do that. But yeah, it feels like we're in a whole new world now mm -hmm. with Marvel and it's really exciting. Yeah, I agree. I've, I've been a f very uh, satisfied with what we've gotten with phase four. I was a little worried, you know, kind of entering into this space because yeah. at least for these first three series that have come out, these are all characters I haven't cared a lot about. And Marvel's like, yeah, I know you haven't had enough time with them. Now I'm going to make you love them, yes. you know? And, oh, this character, Natasha, who's been around for so long, I'm going to finally give you her story, and it's going to make everything that happens to her Infinity War and Endgame mean that much more. And uh, I like that they're going back small scale right now because 
You can't expect every Marvel movie to be an Avengers Endgame. You just can't. And for everybody who's reporting it otherwise or like, well, it didn't deliver in the same way at the box office. I'm like, yeah, because Avengers Endgame was Endgame. You you can't replicate that right now. The box office for this movie has been massive. Like, there is no way to underscore just how big of a deal it was. Not only that it broke the pandemic era, you know, box office record that F9 set, but the idea that it had 60 million, like, the fact that Disney reported their numbers. their numbers for the very first time is a big deal. And the idea that they were $20 million less than what it made in the box office, that's a game changer for the industry, for mm-hmm. the entertainment industry that they actually put out those numbers this time. Now means HBO Max needs to start thinking about what they're going to do if they're going to actually start reporting. It actually now makes the streamers, you know, Netflix's and Amazon's and Hulu's who've been kind of self-reporting their numbers. Mm-hmm. Now there's actually like pressure on them to quantify what those numbers actually mean and find a way to actually validate them because yeah disney plus saying that people paid this much money is something you actually can't fight you can't argue that they didn't spend the money yeah so yeah it's like it is when you when you because i had not added up the number yet um but when you said 215 million dollars post-covid that number is insane it is unfathomable when people were estimating that early like oh, maybe it'll do like 65. Mm -hmm. And then the number projection kept going up, like 70, Mm -hmm. 75. Okay, it's probably going to beat F9. It's probably going to be over 80. And then to blow it away, Mm -hmm. huge congratulations to Scarlett Johansson as, you know, executive producer of this movie. Huge congratulations to Marvel. The gamble of waiting paid off, and now we know the gamble of putting it on Disney Plus also paid off because that was the big question was the Disney Plus going to hurt it Mm -hmm. and it clearly didn't because holy crap yeah people were ready to write off the fact that it was on Disney Plus or like premiere access because you know Mulan and Raya they weren't reporting numbers and reportedly probably didn't do as well by that measure so the fact that they have said no they made 60 million dollars off of Disney Plus in one weekend is, yeah, it's game changing. It was already game changing when HBO Max was like, we're gonna have it free for you for a month, but then also release at the same time. But yeah, it is the landscape moving forward, very fascinating. There is no going back to normal. There is not. And I've gotta say, like, man, you know, Warner Brothers is freaking out right now. Oh, yeah. They're not well. They are, they are not well over that. Because that was already a very financially precarious decision that they made to allow it to be free for a month mm-hmm. and cost them some money in terms of, like, talent deals because the talent yeah. has, you know, in their contracts a certain amount of money that they make based on the box office. So by now diluting that box office by putting it for free on streaming to boost your streaming numbers means that a lot of these talent they had to be paid out and paid you know we saw it with Wonder Woman we saw it with Patty Jenkins and and Gal Gadot and they Gal Gadot Jesus um (laughs) I've heard it pronounced both ways and honestly like I go with Godot but I'm also internally like did I just say that wrong no you said it absolutely right because it's Godot but it's like you're kind of pronouncing the T silently Mm -hmm. very quietly but not totally ignoring it it's yeah it's yeah yeah 
anyway, with with the two of them, they were paid, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars because they were one of the first to to essentially agree to let, you know, HBO Max put the movie or let Warner Brothers put the movie on HBO Max for free. Yeah. And, you know, it was peak pandemic, so you can't really evaluate the box office for that movie the same way. Mm-hmm. But now that premium access clearly worked and HBO Max has already said they're doing it for they can't go back on that now yeah so it's yeah it's financially it was already financially precarious for them and now I'm sure they are losing their minds oh yeah yeah (laughs) I just oh my gosh I I hadn't I hadn't thought about it in those terms yet Mm -hmm. um because obviously this just happened like this is we are literally doing this dissecting breaking news yeah (laughs) it's insane like yeah deadline we're I think put it out like what early this morning yeah we got the news at like 8 a.m when and our box office reporters were just as surprised as anybody else because you know that has been the thing forever it's like you know, streaming doesn't tell you their numbers mm-hmm. or they don't tell you how much those movies made. and Until there's, like, a sequel or or they do so well, they're, like, on your social, here's how many people watch Yeah, it. exactly, which is not really verifiable because it's mm-hmm. just, you know, they're, they're saying it. There's no, mm-hmm. like, you know, second source on it. But when it comes to hard and fast just ticket sales, that's not something that you can really, like, fudge. Yeah. So for that to have come through and, you know, in Disney Plus's like press release of how much they earned, it was just a huge surprise because no one expected it because they'd never done it before. Mm-hmm. But also to see how big that number was, was very surprising. And it does kind of go with the argument that some people have made that, you know, when you can watch a movie at home, people are probably going to do that. Mm-hmm. And just very interesting the concept that that's how bankable these movies are in the home I mean 20 million dollars less like so yeah that argument that a lot of people made about in the heights potentially very true even though you know it was kind of argued that it wasn't maybe it was Mm -hmm. but we won't know because HBO Max is not going to release their streaming numbers from the heights so yeah. I know at least two people watch it on streaming, my mom and my sister, because they have my HBO Max. Yeah. Love you guys. Um, <laughs> but I saw it in theaters like twice, you yeah. know? But yeah, like it's... And where does that cancel out too? Because I know a lot of people that went and saw Black Widow in theaters and also paid for to see it on premium access because they wanted mm-hmm. to be able to watch it again at home. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of those doubling up. So to be honest, it sounds like all putting it on premium access can do is increase the box office and therefore seems like Disney plus or Disney will probably go with that model more moving forward after the success of something like this. Yeah. It just probably won't be free on Disney plus. It's gonna definitely, you're gonna have to pay for it. Yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting to see like what, what titles, what does it work well with? What titles does it not work well with? And because you also don't want to like, the big thing that like recently with Pixar that I they make these movies to be seen on the big screen yes. and so to have Soul and Luca be free has really cheated out like the animators yes. and that's something like I don't want to encourage either so like it's but like Marvel has all the money Marvel will continue to make all the money 
they are Disney's biggest cash cow right now. I know if it's a Lucasfilm, but like they're doing it. And yeah. this number shows like we can do this with our biggest property and still make a ton of money. They look, they look like geniuses right now. They do. They really do because what was very smart was the idea that they said, you know, we're going to look at this on a case-by-case and movie-by-movie basis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, I think, a smart way to approach it versus a blanket. And I think they just proved their point. Yeah. I mean, we'll, again, we'll see what happens. Like you said, some it's going to work for, some it's not. Mm-hmm. They're going to be failures, but this was a big win for them. This was a huge one, and and a big win for the fans. Exactly, like, <laughs> and we're the ones who really benefited because, like, we got something really great that we had been dying to see for a long time. And not to quote Hamilton, but we were willing to wait for it. Yeah. <laughs> I love being able to quote, quote Hamilton in like all of my episodes. It's great. Don't make me cry again. Another talk about another another Disney property that just gets me all in my feels. Well, you know, it came out a year ago, mm-hmm. and hard to believe we're already halfway through 2021, and a year ago we were gifted Hamilton on Disney Plus, which that also blew numbers too of subscribers coming in just to watch Hamilton. It did. But we could go on all day, but. I've kept you long enough, but this has been so wonderful, so fun, and the fact that we got to do this in person is even better. Guys, we are vaccinated, so we're fine. (laughs) Disclosure. Thank you so much for joining me. Where can the people find you? Uh, The people can find me on Twitter at Angelique814 and on Instagram at Ange, A-N-G-E, 814. And you can read my work at Variety.com, interviews and videos and all of those things. Um, But yeah, that's where they can find me. And thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I also realized that I... I like came here fully planned to like make my pew pew joke and I never did. Um, but check Twitter for that one. It was pretty solid. <laughs> it was really solid, but you could make it like right now. Well, you just asked your you asked your audience to like describe uh, to describe Black Widow in one word, and my answer was pew. And you really can pronounce it both ways, as in few, because it was a sigh of relief for all of us that this movie was great, and now that this movie made, like, a ton of money. But you can also pronounce it as pew-pew, just like all of the gunplay that they do in this movie, which is, I mean, just the choreography of these fight scenes, I think... We'll we'll see these these stunt choreographers and these stunt people, you know, continue to get accolades and awards for what they do in Marvel in general. But I think this one was really a top-notch just display of action. And and also it's just really fun to see women get a chance to be, you know, so kick-butt and really get it, you know, show off what they can do. Yes, absolutely. All to that. And then the extra level of Pew being Florence Pew because yes. she was truly the shining star of the movie. And I also, quick shout out to Kate Shortland being the yes. first female solo director in the MCU and really, or for a movie and really knocking it out of the park. Like it, I am so excited to see like what she does moving forward. Like, I hope this isn't just like a one and done kind of thing for her, not just necessarily for the MCU, but just like she can do big action stuff. Like let her do other properties. Like I want to see more of her and not just to be beholden to, oh, now she's only marbles. Like I'm excited that Patty Jenkins is being able to stretch her limits now that she is now doing like Star Wars coming up. 
I want Kate to have kind of like the same freedom and recognition that she deserves. I feel pretty solidly that the whole Marvel Disney behemoth will not be letting Kate Shortland get away anytime soon. They will be finding other properties to work with her on just the same way you, you know, you mentioned that Patty Jenkins kind of crossed over from DC into Star Wars. There are so many different properties that they have to work on within the Disney umbrella that I'm mm -hmm. sure they're like, Kate, what would you like to do? Please. Yeah. It's just like hope. And I, I, I mean, I, I believe that they actually probably are lining them up for her. It's not, I'm actually not even just like hopeful. I think that yeah. that is what is happening. And even with like Chloe Zhao too, like, oh, you won an Oscar. Like, yep. and you're doing Eternals for us? Oh, what else would you like? And then they have Mia DaCosta coming next with them with Marvel. So excited for her. So like, oh my God. There's a, they're, they are really putting their money where their mouth is and investing in, in women on screen and behind the scenes and, mm -hmm. Yeah, it took a while. No, I'm not thrilled about that, but I'm happy that it's happening. Can't fix what happened before, but I can we, be excited about what's happening now. Exactly. That was long-winded final thoughts, but I mean, I'm so glad we've also included all of this. It was important. We had to say it. We had to. We had to. <laughs> and as always, you can follow me at Meredith Loftus on Twitter and Instagram, and don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Fangirl Forum Pod. Thank you so much for joining. I hope you have a fantastic day.